0: with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart.
1: Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined today by Tom DeAngelis and Tom Fertle. Welcome, guys. Hey, good to be here. Uh, good to be here with you guys. Uh, for those of you who have been with us before, welcome back to Reflections from the Heart. For those who are new, uh, Reflections from the Heart is a gospel reflection. So we will look at the gospel that we will hear proclaimed this coming Sunday, and we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak uh, into our hearts to see how we could how we can live the gospel each and every day. Uh, but before we jump into the gospel, let's let's open with the prayers. Tom, if you can lead us in a prayer, please.
2: Absolutely, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, as we journey onward in a Lenten season, we ask for minds and hearts that are focused on You. Let us not think in Lent in terms of what we sacrifice so much as as how we grow closer to You through our Lenten practices. Let us not think about in terms of what we give up, but what we gain. By being open to your will in our lives, and as we give, help us to be mindful of the grace that we receive in drawing close to you in all that we do. We ask that in the remaining days of Lent we draw close to you, we are aware of your presence, we are aware of your will, and help us to respond with faith and with courage to accomplish the task you have set before us. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the and of the Son, and the Holy of Spirit. Spirit.
3: Amen.
1: Beautiful. Thanks, Tom. So, Tommy D. If you can give, give us a little gospel love.
3: Sure. Again, it's uh, from John's Gospel, chapter eight, verses one to eleven. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you go and from now on do not sin anymore the gospel of the lord
1: praise, praise to you lord, lord jesus christ, christ. There's, there's so much uh, so much to to dive into here i just jumped what jumped out of me right away was uh, but early in the morning and i've been trying to to carve out some more time with our lord just alone and you know, we hear Jesus early in the morning. He rides at the temple early in the morning he went up the mountain earlier you know, so he's carving out time uh, to be with the Father so I, I I definitely need to to follow in his footsteps and and carve that time out early in the morning, late at night and uh, and all throughout the day just to to enter into the silence with with God so he could um, so he can fill me up and and build me up and encourage me because Life is a test, right? You know, they said this to test him. So we're going to be, we're going to be tested, uh, constantly. Um, so without him, a test isn't going to, that's not, it's not going to work out so well for me. So I need to, to, to break away, to go to church, go to adoration, go to the quiet of my, of my living room early in the morning, just to, to be with him. So, um. So he's with me, working in me and through me all throughout the day.
2: Well, in the fitness world, they always say, you know, you have to plan your gym time. If you say, well, I'll go out, I'll get to the gym, you know, after work sometime, or maybe I'll go out and take a walk, you know, and you leave it open and, you know, then it becomes subject to change as opposed to, you know, like, nope, at four o'clock, I'm going for a walk. You know, and and when you, and I think that's the key for all of us is making those things a priority. And then uh, I don't know, Mr. D, you're the expert. Like, what becomes a habit after seven times or thirteen times oh, or whatever yeah. it is? But you know, you yeah. get, you get into that routine. Um, you know, and you and you and you put you carve that time out first. <clears throat> Um, I think you're right on, Rob. The morning is a good is a good time for many people. Um, you know, we can all drag ourselves up five minutes early, probably. You know, even though we think we can't. But uh, I think the point, the important point for our, our personal spiritual discipline is just carving that time and making that special time, making it, you know, making it sacred. Um, you're gonna make coffee in the morning. You're gonna, you know, whatever. Pick your kids up after school. Like all these routines that we lock in. Like these, this has to be done well. You know, the first thing should be, when am I going to, uh, you know, spend some time with God? But unfortunately, we we, we let we, we let it go, and we pushed off. Oh, I'll get there. I'll get there. And then a month goes by, and you go, oh, I really feel kind of like yucky in my spiritual life. Well, you know, what have, what have we invested in it? So,
3: you know, Speaking of the morning, um, I just recently ran across, and I'm trying to remember if I read it or if I heard it on one of our, you know, Lighthouse Media CDs, uh, and I think it was a, at a talk or or a CD, but um, as far as the morning goes, one one of the things, and it was a priest. I do remember that um, was talking about you know, for most of us, the very first decision we make in the morning is to go back to sleep, right? <laughs> to hit the snooze button and right. go. But and he said, and we do that with life a lot too. we you know we we get up with an you know we kind of wake up with an intention to do something, then we hit the snooze button. You know, like we I'm going to do this. I got to get to this. Um, I'm going to, you know, move forward on this thing. I, I'm really committed to this, but I'm going to get to it. I'll get to it later. you know, so you put it up and and uh, and got my desk is a testimony to that. I have stuff stacked up that I'm going to get to at some point. And every once in a while, I go through this stuff and I realize there's things at the bottom that I'm never going to get to. I should have known that at the beginning. And I just hack off the bottom and throw it in a garbage can. you know it's basically, but it is it is uh, indicative, I think, to get up in the morning and I notice this myself too, if you get up right away and go to prayer, go to whatever it is that you're doing. In my case, I, I do the morning prayers, liturgy, the hours, it makes a huge difference in your day. Some days it's just not there. You know, some days you just gotta hit the button and take another five or ten minutes and um, but I always try to g- make that straightforward commitment right away. And if not, then usually on the second snooze. But uh, and I do remember it was a CD and it was Father Michael Schmitz. who was, was, uh, was talking about for a, a lot of people, the first decision of the day is to go back to sleep. You know? <laughs> like that's the, the alarm goes off and then you hit the snooze button and say, I'm just going to go back to sleep. And sometimes we do it multiple times. But I think in our life, it sets a pattern for us to get up and go at it right away. At least it does for me when I when I'm, I'm able to do that most days. But,
2: you know. And there's a pretty viral video out there. I have not forget his name, but at the a Navy SEAL commander, he, mm, was, yeah. he was giving a graduation talk, and his thing was make your bed. Make your bed. And yeah, that's I saw a, that yeah. same idea. The same like, idea, yeah. Then you have one accomplishment. Okay, then you can go from there. But right. start your day with I've done something. I have put something in order here. You know, and that, right. that Kind of, kind yeah. of idea. Yeah. Sets a tone for the rest of
0: the day. And
1: practically, isn't it so much better at night to go into a made bed? <laughs> like if it's all still like twisted up. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, so if your day's not good.
0: Yeah. And, and, and then your bed's
3: messed up. Yeah. yeah. It's like,
1: oh, I <laughs> gotta like strain it out and yeah. find the sheets under the comforters all twisted up. Yeah. So a uh, lot of a lot, lot of, well, lot of wisdom you, in that.
2: You make your bed and you tend to keep the room cleaner then too. If my bed's disheveled, well then I'll throw my clothing on the floor. So it's a bit so I'm so get back to yeah. what does that mean spiritually? Well, again, start your day with prayer. You've just oriented your day, right. you know. I think that follows you throughout the day. So as right. you encounter other situations, other decisions, other thoughts, they're already um, guided because you set, you know, your moral compass, your spiritual mm-hmm. compass, first thing. So I think it, right. you know this is not just frivolous chat about making beds. I think it, there's, there's, you know, there's definitely a, there's a relation there. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: There's uh you re- referenced the uh line uh, rob about uh you know they said this to test him that life is a test and i always uh, whenever i hear that word i always think you know we we have this um academic idea of test you know like you you test somebody to see if they pass you know but um that word really has um it's related to the word same word we use for temptation because uh temptations are things that test us to see if we're going to be you know we're going to fall on the good side or the bad side of whatever the requirement is um, but there, it's also uh, test is also an opportunity for us to kind of go through the thing and see if we measure up and another word for test is often proof in other words when you do it successfully or not successfully you have proven your level of capability your level of competence and I think, the fact that Jesus was tested, and they talk about this too. Some of the translations of when Jesus goes into the desert and is tempted talk about that. They don't they don't translate the word tempt, they translate it as tested. So there's a there's a lot that goes into that word, and it really is a proof of where you are. And in a lot of ways, again, for us as as Catholics who have can avail ourselves of the sacrament of reconciliation, of confession, those tests should not be things that we shy away from. Those tests should be things that we use to prove one way or the other whether we're committed to God and where we need to improve. And I think that's one of the things that you know the absence of confession in a lot of people's lives. I mean, we all we all know the you know the statistics or the the there are the experiences where you go into church you know for confession and we have confession at our church for 45 minutes and some days there's three people that come in for for three priests you know um, but there are it is an opportunity I think for us to prove where we are, you know, to kind of show proof of where we are, and that allows us to make progress. But without the test, you know, and again, it's academically, without the test, you don't know where you are in in learning the material, and in in our case, in growing in our spiritual life and our relationship to God. So that test of getting up in the morning, of getting to morning prayer, whatever it is for you, and then moving forward with the rest of the day is, is part of our test. Every day is a test. So getting and it started in the right direction is is good.
1: Tom, it's interesting that you say that because two things happened this past week, uh, one with uh, our 12-year-old son and one with our 8-year-old daughter, where uh, God gave me the grace in the moment or after the moment to talk to them about it and, and really encourage and affirm mm-hmm. them. And one was with my 12-year-old son how he interacted with his little sister on, on something. And it was, you know, they were cutting out pictures of the Phillies and the Eagles from this magazine and this newspaper. And, and uh, the two of them could go at it at times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the way that he was working with his little sister... Uh, pictures that I knew he probably would have wanted for his room that he was letting her have, mm-hmm. and I mean it just brought so much joy to my heart just listening. And when it was just the two of us, one on one, I brought that up to him and just said the joy that you know that I experienced just listening to the two of you. You know, just having so much fun working together and cutting out pictures and, and you didn't, there's no selfishness at all. And I was like, Thomas, that's what it means to, to be a, a young man, right? And, and a man that, that we need to die to ourselves, like that our essence is to be selfless, to, to give, you know, give first choice, first preference to other people. And, and you did that, buddy. So it was, it was really cool to, uh, to be able to point that out that was a test, right? He was being tested. Right? Right. And then my daughter, eight-year-old daughter, she and I were going out for a walk bike ride. She was on a bike and I was, I was walking. And then this guy who uh, we lived near the high school where I went to as a kid, um, this guy that used to work there when I went there is still in the community yeah. and he walks around all the time. So we run into each other every now and then. And he's um, not a man of faith at all, but always asks questions about my faith. <clears throat> And he was really digging in. He's like, how can you still be Catholic with all this stuff going on? And we got into a nice conversation and, and talked about spiritual battles. like, wow, you really look at it like that? And he's like, you know, I'm not spiritual, but, you know, that's that's pretty interesting. And and we got into a conversation and hope I can tell my daughter wanted my attention. And usually I'm, I'm focused on, you know, not being distracted from that. But, but I really felt that God was calling me in that moment just to— to listen, to ask, ask questions, answer, and she was so patient. She was so patient. She didn't whine. She wasn't tugging on me, nothing. And uh, and afterwards, just like with Thomas, I was able to affirm her because she was tested. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me explain. I said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I really don't think he has God in his life. And he was asking me questions, and as he, as he does a lot. And the time that we gave him, not just me, but we— the time that we gave him, we're, we were we were showing God's love. Said you didn't throw a temper tantrum, you didn't tug on me, you weren't whining or complaining. So your patience there, that was God's love for Mr. Mm-hmm. Jones, um, right? So that was a little test. So uh, in, in our lives, we're going to be tested, and people are going to look. You know, so a guy that I was with earlier in the week said just something as simple as in the grocery store parking lot. You know, if you make yourself If people see you as a church guy and they see you at at the Giant and they see you at the back of the parking lot dumping your stuff in your car and leaving the cart just randomly, that tells a story. That's that's pretty inconsiderate, right? But if they see you trudging that cart back into the Giant where where it's not going to run into someone's car, all that stuff matters, right? All that stuff matters. Uh, So – everything you know everything life life is a test mm-hmm. yeah
2: this passage tests me cuz i was it was it was never one of my favorite passages now that seems odd no. you know and probably cuz again coming from uh teaching high school students morality cuz this is the passage everybody whips out you know oh see you know don't condemn don't condemn don't judge don't judge don't condemn and and, it, and it's true i mean that's that's very clear you know um i guess if you go into the scripture study right isn't the common understanding that Jesus began to write their sins, their names in the sand. That's yeah. the common understanding. It's you know, one of the so. commentaries, right. yeah. one of the commentaries on it, you know. But I, and which is all good. Don't get me wrong. But I think people forget. To me, they always forget the last line because it's definitely don't judge. I'm not going to condemn you. Let you as the first stone. All those great reminders to us. But there is a last line. Go. And from you know, from now on, do not sin anymore or go right. and sin no more, depending on what translation you're reading. So Jesus ends it with the part about, uh, but don't forget, don't sin. So, yeah. yeah, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. and and we mean what we mean by that is you know, we don't judge other people's souls. But he's still saying, don't sin. And I, I, right. I again, many times we forget that. and you know in our in our you know Catholic tradition, of course, we have admonished the sinner, you know, which is it, it is our job to to judge behavior. It is our job to to say, well, this behavior is not correct. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn the person. I don't say, well you're going to hell, you're going to heaven. That's not my role. You know, we're in sales and marketing. We're not in management, you know, when it comes to that. Um, and I and I think so much of our world, you know, again that selective like you're talking about Rob, that person who sees that person, you know, living or not living out their faith, we go right into, you know, oh, you're a hypocrite, you're this, you're that. You know, we have the selective pieces of Christianity, the selective, mm-hmm. let's take that no judging part, that no condemning part, we'd like that, but that no sinning part, Now we, we don't like that so much. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's just uh, something that always, I always point out when people say, you know, we don't judge. You're right. We don't judge people. We don't condemn souls. That's not our point. We don't want anybody to be in hell. But that does not mean that we can't say, well, that behavior is not appropriate. That behavior is wrong. You know, we are our, our our directive is to go and not sin anymore. You know, so that's yeah. you know, that's just totally one of my
3: and, yeah. And some of the some of the confusion I think in our culture is it's just, this word judge is a lot like the word love. Mm, you know, right, yeah. and I think it I think it might be Damon, our friend Damon Owens, that says you know you can love anything from pizza to God, you know, and everything in between. And judge is kind of like that too. Judge in a sense of evaluate, of look at, of determine whether it you know fits the moral code, whether it's a correct thing to do. Evaluate ourselves when we when we make a mistake or when we sin. Is this something I need to take to confession? Is this mortal or venial? Is this some? How do I get better at this thing? So, without judging in the sense of discriminating or of looking at. The good from the bad, or is this really in that category or is in that category? That we have to do if we're gonna get better, if we're gonna grow in our spiritual life. The condemnation side of judging is what another way that people use that word to judge. Well, don't judge me. In other words, don't condemn me. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, give me a chance, let me explain, let me recover, let me admit admit that I did the thing wrong and try to improve. You know, that's I think where where we get that word judging. And I'm, and I'm glad to see in, you know, in recent years, the translation has come out, do not condemn. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we can't admonish somebody to say, look, you know, because Jesus does. He doesn't condemn her in a sense of you're going to hell and there's no way out. He's, but he does say, don't sin anymore. You know, don't – you know what you just did? Don't do that anymore because – Something worse might happen. I think he says that late in another situation. He says to you know to a man who I think he cured from blindness, and he and he comes and sees you know sees Jesus, and he says, you know after the cure, he he runs into him and he says, go and sin no more, lest something worse befall you. You know, right. so there is a consequence to these things, and that's just God given. That's not our position or place to do that. But it is our place to be able to admonish somebody and say, Hey, that you might wanna you might wanna think different you know, don't sin anymore. Don't do that. You know, look at the situation you got into and you know, don't don't put yourself in this position anymore. And in fact of the matter is it's wrong. It's wrong in our culture, it's wrong in the eyes of God. Yeah. You know? So right. I think that's the that's the dilemma that we get into. And it's so hard to discriminate that especially with teenagers because they're always you know we're always looking for an out, right? When we're when we're that age, you know we're 13, 14, 15, we're just looking for a way. So you're not supposed to you're not supposed to judge us. So we should be able to do whatever we want, right? That's the that's the, that's leap the of pe- logic. yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. right. So
1: and, and uh, these guys were bringing a woman caught in adultery, uh, which is a pretty significant sin, right, in their eyes. Uh, and we try to categorize sin and, and look at other people's sin compared to ours, and uh, sin is sin, right? And, uh, you know, the evil one, uh, the, he wants us to think that that nothing is sin, right? We don't even talk about sin. Yeah. We, just like we don't talk about holiness. We spoke about that a few weeks ago when we were talking about Matthew Kelly's book, um, you know, the biggest lie in the history of Christianity that, uh, you know, that we can't be holy. You know, we don't even talk about it anymore, let alone strive strive for it. And the same with sin. Like the you know, the one thing that'll that'll uh lead us to eternity with God, holiness, we don't even talk about it. And the one thing that'll lead us to eternal separation, sin we don't talk about. Yeah. Right. So uh so it's good uh it you know it's good that we're that we're talking about it. uh not to not to judge others or ourselves in terms of our you know where we're gonna be eternally, but now, like now's the time. Right now today today is the day. Now's the time to uh um to go through that that exercise and 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 grow closer to our lord.
2: So yeah, Rob, that re- you know just reminds me of classic, you know, C.S. Lewis which is you know, there's there's no right or wrong. We're in a relativistic society so there's no right or wrong. If, if there's no right or wrong, then of course there's no sin. If there's no sin, I don't need to repent, I don't need a savior. And as he says, that leads to, you know, our damnation of souls and the end of our species. And that's uh, that, that's kind of where we are, a very relativistic society. Um, which says there's no right or wrong, and the interesting thing, of course, the, num- the classic, you know, um, challenge to moral relativism is the same people who say there's no rel- there's no mm-hmm. right or wrong are the first ones to say, well, that's but that's wrong, you know. <laughs> and and as you watch, not for us to talk about politics, I wouldn't want to do that, but when you watch, especially the the, the groups that. You know, are are the are the last ones to say that anything is right or wrong, and everything is okay. And then turn on one another and start pointing out this is wrong and that's wrong. Well, how how is that? You know, and it gets it gets very convoluted. Um, but that's 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 kind of where we are. And our our young people, our our children, are growing up in this world where, you know, right or wrong is blurred. Right or wrong has has drifted away, not not only blurred, but in many ways, what was wrong is now right. And and it's it's it gets very convoluted. And I think that all of us, you know. Um, the, the the faithful and the unfaithful, uh, you know, less time standing with our mouths flapping and maybe more time on our knees in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, our, our church, our families, and our world will be a better place.
1: Yes. Yeah, so a lot of times it's being reminded of who we are and whose we are, right? Our, mm-hmm. we, we, we lose our identity, and then we start labeling, right? We put labels on everybody. Um, and just like the the gospel, was, was last week the prodigal son? Was that? Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. so, so the... The older son didn't even identify him as his brother. Your son, right? So as long as I'm continuing to label people, and label myself based on my sin as opposed to my identity as a son of God, and and you guys as my brothers, and everybody else as my brothers and sisters, and God's kids, um, you know, then that it's probably harder to have compassion, right? It's easier to stay in that, you know, that finger-pointing mode. And I heard a really cool story. It was a a story of a village in Africa where when someone is stuck in a habitual sin, they would would bring that person in, they would put that person in the middle, and everybody would, would be around that person recounting every good thing that that person ever did to them or to someone that they know. Yeah, we always say yeah. it's so so easy to catch people doing things wrong, but it's a little harder to catch people doing things right and, and to recognize right. that. So they had a session really reminding this person <clears throat> that he is good. He is, in, you know, he's he's got good in him, and right. I thought that was really cool. Like that, you know, people need to be reminded of, of who they are, whose they are, and that they they're made for goodness.
3: Almost the exact opposite of this. The woman here being put in the middle, and everybody knows you know that yeah. she's there because of something that she did wrong and and could be the end of the end of her yeah. you know but uh, that point that you made about right and wrong tom i think was a good one because uh, our culture has really followed a pattern, and you touched on it too, Rob. If you look in a catechism, you'll see that falling into mortal sin that erodes to eventually habitual mortal sin will lead exactly to that where what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. Your sin all of a sudden, whether it's adultery or it's lying or whatever it is, starts to become a virtue, and everybody that doesn't do that, who abides by some standard, is some, there's something wrong with them. They're legalistic, they're inflexible, they're intolerant, and yet... Our, our whole government, you know, God bless the founding fathers, our whole government is based on the idea of majority. But then there's also ways to balance out with min- minority positions because the majority is not always right. What everybody thinks isn't always the right thing. And uh, you really get into problems with that whole relativistic thing. So that that's a, those are good points for us to ponder, I think.
1: And as we, uh, we enter into halftime, right, we're about halfway little more than halfway through uh, our Lenten journey here. Uh, you know, we have a, an opportunity each day to start to start new, to start new. So as we uh, enter into the, the back nine of, of Lent, uh, let's just pray for each other to continue on with our prayers, to continue on with our sacrifices, to continue on with our giving, that each and every day that we pray and fast and give, it draws us closer to our Lord, that we turn any little inconvenience into a Uh, an offering into a a sacrifice, uh, the suffering that comes our way, which it absolutely will turn that suffering into a sacrifice by offering it up to our Lord so that we can walk with him in his passion and then be there for his resurrection. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. And have a great rest of your day, everybody. God bless you all.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you have been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org. or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, A Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.